Welcome to the Uncommon Church Podcast. Today, you'll hear a message from our pastor, Brad Carrington. We hope that it helps you to know God, grow strong in your faith, and do all that he has called you to do. If you are doing the Bible reading plan that we gave you last week, where we read two chapters a day in the book of Acts and two chapters in Nehemiah, um, we started off at the book of Acts, and on Friday, we would have read um, um, Acts chapter 10. Now, it was Luke that wrote the book of Acts. And Luke was a, a doctor in the ancient world, but he was a very detailed guy. He liked to capture all the details just right. And if you, if you, Luke in Acts chapter 10, he summarized the entire life and ministry of Jesus in one verse. You can take Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and squish it down. And Luke said in, in um, Acts chapter 10 and verse 38, here's, here's everything that Jesus did in one verse. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Just leave that verse up for a minute, Josh. Just let people kind of stew and meditate on that. And I have a question for you. That was Jesus 2,000 years ago. Today, in 2022, who is tasked with continuing the work and ministry of Jesus on the earth? We are. So in 2022, who is anointed with the power and um, presence of the Holy Spirit? We are. So based on your own deduction of scripture and common sense, our calling in life is to go about doing good and healing all who are oppressed by the devil. So I want you to make that your prayer. Maybe even just jot that verse down. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. Maybe every time the, the, the clock says 10.38 in the morning, 10.38 in the evening, uh, just pray. Lord, I pray that you would help me to do good and to destroy the works of the devil wherever I go. Do it in my life again. In fact, Jesus put it this way in, in John chapter 14. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, uncommon. Anybody that believes in me, you're gonna do the same works that I have done. And then he corrects himself and goes, nah, fam. You're going to do greater works because I'm going to go to the Father. So I'm going to ask you another question. Do you believe that Jesus is Lord? Yeah. Well, we can't do greater works than Jesus until we start doing the same works that Jesus did. So your mission in life, should you choose to accept it, is to go about doing good and healing all who are oppressed by the devil. And sickness is an oppression of the enemy. Sickness is not a gift from God to help teach you a lesson. I don't know where that terrible theology came into the church. God doesn't give sickness to teach you a lesson. God is a loving father. I love my kids and I never like punch them in the mouth to like teach them a lesson and dislocate their jaw or here's a little cancer to help you get through the sixth grade, Billy. You know, like we make God out to be a terrible dad. Well, he's going to teach me something. Yeah, God can use anything to teach it. God can use my own stupid decisions and disobedience and teach me a lesson. But that doesn't mean he's going to give me sickness to punish me into some sort of lesson. What a terrible father that would be. Jesus went about doing good and healing some that were oppressed by the devil. Now let's move on. Oh, was it all? Oh, snap. Jesus went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed by the devil. So that is our mission in life. And then some of you will go, well, well oh, oh, yeah, but Jesus was God. Acts 10, 38, again, please, maestro. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with Holy Spirit and power. 
didn't say God anointed Jesus of the streets of gold that you walk through the pearly gates up in heaven with Holy Spirit power. See, Luke is highlighting the very fact that Jesus was doing all of these hearings and all of these good things because he was a human guy from Nazareth, simply anointed with Holy Spirit and power. Now, yes, Jesus is God, but the part of Jesus that's God doesn't need anointing. It's his humanity that needs anointing. Right, humans? Humans are the ones that need Holy Spirit power and anointing. Now, if you don't know, the word um, anoint, especially the version in Greek, it, it, we don't have a word for it, really, in 2022. But it means to, to pour on and then to smear in. So think of like a thick sunscreen that your grandma gave you that she bought 10 years ago that expired six years ago. And she's like, oh, this will work. And just like smearing it in, but it never really goes in. That's the anointing. That just, it just to cover you and then to smear on you. See, if Jesus was only able to perform miracles and heal the sick because he was God on the earth, then we become spectators. And we'd be like, oh, we look and we read a story about a miracle of the Bible. We're like, bravo, Jesus, well done. It's too bad that you're up in heaven now and you can't be here on earth because, boy, we could really use some healing in 2022. No, Jesus of Nazareth was anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power to perform miracles. Well, well, well. That's an invitation. That's, that's an opportunity for us as humans from wherever you're from to step in to the anointing of the Holy Spirit's power and then to perform miracles on the earth. Uncommon church of Eulis is anointed with the Holy Spirit and power to destroy the works of the devil in the mid-cities. By the way, last week, y'all didn't amen well enough. <laughs> this morning, Ben's helping me. Y'all gonna help Ben out. We gonna amen better. Come on, somebody. Jesus' examples in scriptures is not for us to go, wow, bravo, look how amazing Jesus is. Jesus' examples of what he did on the earth is an invitation for us to do the same works that he did. So today, we're gonna talk all about healing, the theology of healing. And I'm going to show you from scriptures how you are called by God to bring healing to wherever you go. And some people are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I've, I've prayed for healing for a few people before and like nothing happened and the people weren't healed. Yeah, just because we're not good at it yet doesn't mean we can change the assignment that God's given us. We still have been called to heal the sick. So we have to just keep practicing until we're good at it. We can't define our ministry on the earth based on things that we're good at and what we like to do. Jesus defines, he literally defines our ministry on the things that we can't do. He told the disciples in Matthew chapter 10 and verse eight, I want y'all to heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, cast out demons, give it away as freely as you've received it. Jesus didn't say, I want you to pray for the sick, pray for the dead to be raised, and pray for demons to be cast out. He told the disciples, he told you, just do it. Just heal the sick. You do it. You cast out demons. You raise the dead. And sometimes people in like 2022 are like, ah, that makes me uncomfy. <laughs> Listen, the longer I do this Jesus thing, the more I realize that my comfort is actually not that important to God. <laughs> He's often asking me to advance to fast, to pray, to take me into new territory that makes me feel uncomfortable. Probably that I'd learn to depend on the comforter. But um, bump. 
you Bible school students that know that the comforter is another name for the Holy Spirit. You and I can't heal anybody or raise anybody from the dead. But Colossians 1.27 says that Christ in me is the hope of glory. Jesus is the key that unlocks that healing. But we are the ones who have that key and put it into the lock and turn it. He's put that power and authority into your hand. So that when we do all healing, all miracle, we want to make Jesus famous. The problem is when we start taking credit for miracles and healings. No, no. Every time that somebody is healed, it's so that we can step back and go, look what the Lord did. Let me, 600 years before Jesus, the prophet Isaiah was seeing into the future. He was seeing a picture of what the Messiah would look like. And he's describing, even though it hadn't really been invented yet, crucifixion. So Isaiah 53 is talking about what the Messiah would have to suffer. And he says in verse four, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Now, we're gonna come back to that verse in a minute. So I kind of want you to remember that. Jesus, or the Messiah will bear our grief and sorrow. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. With his wounds, we are, what church? With Jesus' wounds on the cross 2,000 years ago, we are healed. Now, uh, Josh, do me a favor. Put verse 4 back up, just so people can see that. He bore our grief. I don't know why most of the English translators put the word grief there, because I looked it up, and a couple of the translations got it right. The Hebrew word that he uses there is sickness. And then he goes on. And the translators in English say, he carried our sorrows. And I looked it up. The Hebrew word is actually pain. So at the cross, Jesus carried on his back our sickness and pain. And in one act of love, once and for all, Jesus paid the price for our healing. So healing today is simply applying payment for something that Jesus paid for 2,000 years ago. He doesn't have to do it again because once something has been paid for, you don't have to buy it again. Like, especially if it's a gift. Think of your nicest or most expensive Christmas present you got a couple weeks ago. And then you got it, you received it, and you're like, oh, cool, thanks. You got some electrical doodad. And then you go to Best Buy, and you're like, hi. And they're like, oh, do you want to make a return or an exchange? No, I want to buy it again. Sir, you already own it. It is yours to have. All you need to do is receive it and learn how to figure it out and how it works. It's, it's, it's kind of like a, a payment that was made into your bank account. Now, sometimes we need to figure out how to make a withdrawal, but there's nothing more that Jesus needs to do to bring healing into your body. It's a finished work. Now, can I just stop and be brutally honest? Because some of you are like, he's such a man of God that everybody he prays for is healed. Praise hallelujah. I wish that were so. And I have seen some miracles in my life. In fact, I'll tell you one or two of those stories at the end. But more often than not, healing is one of those things that God is calling me into advancing into deeper levels, and I often fumble the ball. Right, Cowboys fans? <laughs> Y'all beat a terrible team last night, so you should be super excited. Wait till the playoffs come. Let me, let, let me tattle on myself. Literally yesterday morning, I'm at Tom Thumb, because all I can think about is food. <laughs> I'm at, amen. 
I'm at Tom Thumb buying fruits and veg, and I'm in an aisle, and I'm stopping, and I'm looking, and I'm, I'm like reading for the sugar-free version of whatever it is that was on the list to buy, and a lady comes by, a little bit, little bit older lady, and uh, she goes, excuse me, can I sneak in there? I'm like, of course. I step back, the whole thing, and I watch her, and she like, thank you, sorry, and she goes back to her cart. And the Holy Spirit's like, you know, it'd be a pretty good idea if you asked if you could pray for her. And I'm like, <laughs> all day long yesterday, I was beating myself up. I was so mad at myself. I regret it so much. Because she went throughout her whole day, went to bed last night in pain, while I'm over here with the key to unlocking her healing, and I like hoarded it for myself. I felt like such a jerk. So, I think the problem is sometimes we look at ourselves and we know our thought life and we know our weaknesses and we know where we're strong and where we're weak and we think that if we're gonna pray for the sick, we've gotta be like some sort of super Christian. Like we've gotta be a level 10 Christian if we're gonna see ourselves praying for the sick and we only consider ourselves a normal Christian. Can I teach, let you in a little secret? There's no such thing as a super Christian. If you have repented of your sin and made Jesus the Lord of your life, if you have been baptized in water, if you have had hands laid on you and are baptized in the Holy Spirit, you are a level 10 super Christian right now. And by the way, if any of those three things have not happened, if you have not yet made Jesus the Lord of your life, if you have not yet been baptized in water or in the Holy Spirit, all three of those things can happen today and you can walk out that door a super Christian because there's no higher level. That's the max level right there. So you don't, you don't have to wait to become a super Christian, you already are at level 10. You're maxed out. Think of your hero in the faith spiritually. You're at the same level. There's no reason that we shouldn't be praying for people that, that need healing. Why would I take a, a day and, and talk all about healing? Well, last year, the government shut down meeting in church and everything had to go online. So we were trusting YouTube and Facebook and other um, avenues to deliver the, the gospel online. But in many Western countries, there's new legislation that is making believing in Christianity a hate crime because it talks about sin. So we know how much the people that run Facebook and YouTube like to shut down hate crime. So I can see, and I could not see this a year and a half ago. You know, we, I, I, what has changed in the last two years has blown me away. We went from... Give me two weeks to flatten the curve to show me your papers. Like, I did not see that happening so quickly. But now I can see a time when having a formal church worship service will not only be illegal, but it'll be illegal to stream online. And the only way that the gospel of Jesus Christ is going to advance in your neighborhood and around the world is through normal Christians who step up and lead house churches in revival in their apartment building, in their neighborhood, on their vacation, and wherever they go. So my job is to train you to do the work of the ministry no matter what happens in the future. You are already, I'm the lead pastor of the church, you're the lead pastor of your home. But at some point, you might be called on to become the lead pastor of your neighborhood. So my job is to equip you and to, to strengthen regular folks to lead underground churches. Because that's already what's happening in China and in the Muslim world and Australia. So it, it happened quick. So you are the ones that need to be advancing 
in your study, reading, understanding of the Bible, of the kingdom of God, going deeper in prayer, going deeper in learning how to evangelism, in, in giving words of prophecy, and in praying for people for healing. So that's why we're going to do this, talk about the theology of healing, is so that you can learn all that. All of that was my introduction. <laughs> it's true. Faith is the key that unlocks that door. But too often, it's like we want to pray for healing, but we feel like we don't have enough faith. And then for some reason, I don't know why Christians do this, we beat ourselves up for not having enough faith. It's like, I wish I had more faith, but stupid me, you know, I, I, and we beat ourselves up for having, can I just be super honest in case you're worried about trying to climb this faith mountain? Healing doesn't require a whole lot of faith. In fact, Jesus said, all you need is faith the size of a mustard seed. The problem is we have gigantic doubt and little bitty faith. Huge worry, little bitty faith. Huge fear, little bitty faith. So faith is less about having faith because we don't need much. It's more about removing doubt and unbelief. But you know what I love about Jesus? Even if you're struggling in your faith, how many times in scripture did somebody come to Jesus for a miracle and they had little faith and Jesus is like, dude, come back when you have more faith, please. There is a story like that in Mark chapter nine. We're gonna read it here in a second where this dad brought his son to the disciples and be like, hey, you travel with that guy? Can you cast this demon out of my son? And they were like, we'll try. And they tried and they couldn't do it because they didn't have enough faith. It's literally what Jesus said. So in Mark chapter nine, he's, everybody's like, Jesus is cupcakes and rainbows. Have you read the Bible? You want, I wanna be a disciple of Jesus. Be prepared for Jesus to punch you in the mouth sometimes. Mark chapter nine, verse 19. Jesus said to the disciples, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long am I going to put up with you? Bring the boy to me. Oh, Jesus is just the lovingest, love, love, sweet cupcakes ever. Read your Bible. So they brought the boy to Jesus. When the evil spirit saw Jesus, that demon threw the child into a violent convulsion. He fell on the ground and began writhing and foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, um... How long has this been happening? Dad replied, since he was a little boy. The spirit will often throw him into a fire or into water trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. Jesus is like, what do you mean if I can? Anything is possible if a person believes. So the father instantly cries out, I do believe but help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw the crowd of onlookers, he rebuked the evil spirit. He said, listen here, evil spirit, that makes this boy unable to hear and speak. I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. That father came to the disciples and eventually to Jesus with basically the lowest amount of faith you can have. It's like half a mustard seed. And he was like, yeah, I guess you can cast this demon out of my boy if you're able. And I love that Jesus was like, if I'm able. See, Jesus didn't withhold a miracle because of small faith. 
So if you feel like you have small faith, at least you've got something. Keep praying and your faith will grow. But if you never pray for anybody for healing, it's not gonna grow. I would estimate about 99 people I pray for are not healed. But about once every other month, because I pray for a lot of people, somebody's healed in a miracle. I'm like, oh snap, gotta, t- gotta keep praying. Gotta get to 100% growth and get to 2%. Because what happens? Doubts shrink and the mustard seed grows. I see a lot of young people in here today. It's funny when I talk to young people, they'll often ask me, be like, hey, pastor, you're just, you're, you know, you're getting older. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. What do you, can you help me to determine God's plan for my life? I'm like, God's plan for your life? Dude, super easy. First John 3, 8. Whoever makes practicing of sin is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning since the beginning. But the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. So Jesus' mission on the earth was to destroy the works of the devil. And then he gave us that same mission. After Jesus was raised from the dead in John chapter 20, at the end of, chapter, uh, at end of John, Jesus says, hey y'all, peace. The Father sent me, but I'm sending you. So young people, here's the call of God for your life. Destroy the works of the, of the devil. Oh, no, 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 that's not what I meant. I was like, should I go to this college or that college? Should I lead a U group? Should I go to a U group? Which U group should I go to? Like, I don't know if I should marry this person. I'm like, oh, well, I don't know any of that. All I know is you should destroy the works of the devil. Whatever you do, wherever you go, cast out demons, heal the sick, raise the dead. Jesus is sending you to do the same things he did. That is God's call on your life. No, 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 I was talking about going into real estate. It's not like a ministry thing. Yeah, there's no such thing as like a secular job and a ministry job. Everything you do is ministry because you are a minister of the gospel wherever you go. Another question people will sometimes ask me when it comes to healing, they'll be like, well, is it always God's will to heal? Two questions, and I'll answer your question with two questions. In the Bible, how many times did somebody come to Jesus for healing, Jesus prayed for them, and they went away not healed? I'm gonna tell you the answer. So is it always God's will to heal? According to scripture, every time people come to Jesus, they gonna get healed. Second question to answer your question, is it God's will always to heal? Did Jesus need to go back and like pay for healing again? It's a finished work 2,000 years ago. Can't buy it again. We already talked about this. Talked about going to Best Buy, Uh, buying a car. Uh, a couple, several times. We bought cars, put a loan on them, try to pay the loan off as fast as possible, and then the bank will send me the title. Well, imagine if I drove with my title and my car after paying it off to the dealership and be like, hi, sales guy comes out, seeing dollar signs in his eyes. I'm like, I'd like to buy this car again. That's crazy talk. They'd laugh at you. You can't buy something that's already been paid for. God made a decision 2,000 years ago, that he was going to purchase healing for our bodies. The payment's already been made on the cross. All of our sin has been forgiven or none of our sin has been forgiven. And all of our healing has been paid for on the cross or none of our healing has been paid for on the cross. And notice often in scripture, healing and forgiveness go hand in hand. Sometimes, I'm going to talk about why people don't get healed. Sometimes people don't get healed because they haven't yet asked God to forgive them of their sin. And they haven't repented of sin yet. 
But I'll also say this. If I was in charge of who gets healed and who doesn't, everybody would get healed because that's God's will. But God's thinking is so far beyond human understanding. And sometimes people that have hidden sin, preachers, we've seen it on TV, have hidden sin in their life, will pray for somebody who is a sinner and not yet a believer, and they're still healed. And Jesus is made famous. So I, I don't know. It's a mystery. It's part of the mystery of heaven. But that doesn't mean we stop praying. And it also doesn't mean we try to keep sinning and hiding it. If you want water to come out of the pipeline, you've got to clean out what's in the pipeline or what's in the pipeline is going to get on whatever you spray the water at. So you, if there's secret sin in your life, if you're, if you're covering up sin, alcohol addiction, pornography addiction, weed addiction, uh, if, if you've got anger problems, if, if you've been you know, flirting with somebody on, on the side, trying to get a little side bag going, that's sin. Flush, repent and flush that out so that when you pray for people, there's an open heaven. Another question people will often ask me, okay, Pastor, one time we prayed and I saw somebody healed, but it didn't seem to last and they got sick again or the disability or the pain came back again. How, how do we make sure that when we pray for somebody, they stay healed? That's a great question. I don't know because it still happens to me all the time. Either people that I've prayed for or even healing in my own life. But let me point out a few things from scripture that might help you to understand how to believe for healing receive healing, and then hold on to healing where we stay healed. Luke chapter 11, verse 20, Jesus talks about casting devils out of people. And he says, it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, that the kingdom of God has come on you. Now just skip down a couple of verses to verse 24. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through a waterless place, a dry place, and it's seeking rest. And then when it finds none, it'll say, well, I'll just return to the house from which I came. So when that demon comes, it finds that the house has been swept and put back in order. So then it just goes and brings seven other spirits that are more evil than itself. They enter and then they dwell there. And the state of the person is worse off than before they were prayed for. Basically, Jesus is saying the enemy will always seek to re-enter if it's been removed. Now, not every sickness is a demon, but every sickness is a product of the devil's work not God's work. So the principle is the same. Not all healing is a one-time victory. Sometimes it requires maintenance to keep and hold on to that healing, to strengthen the borders of your house, to close the windows, to shut the doors, to fill the house with something. Your job, if you've been healed, is to fill your house with the glory of God, the presence of God, the word of God, the character of God, the holiness of God, to strengthen the borders, to make sure that that thing that tries to come back doesn't have an opportunity. Another thought about people either not getting healed or not staying healed. I think that a lot of sickness that we deal with, a lot of pain that we deal with is actually a, a, a result of unforgiveness in our lives. Somebody hurt us in our past. If you went through the seventh grade, somebody hurt you in your past. If you went through a divorce, either your parents or your divorce, somebody hurt you. If you were molested or abused, you had a bad friend relationship, business relationship, you were hurt. We carry that hurt. We carry that pain in our heart, but it ends up eating away our physical body and it opens the door to sickness. So we pray, there's a healing there, but then we're still walking in unforgiveness so the sickness comes back. So one area of maintenance to holding on to healing would be to hold on to unforgiveness. 
that we would release the debt that we have against somebody, even if they hurt us. We would release that shame that we're trying to hold against them so that we can hold on to our healing. Third thought about why people are sometimes not healed or sometimes don't hold on to healing. A lot of sickness is a generational curse that was handed down to you from your family tree. Why do you think the first question a doctor asks you when they're getting to know you is tell me your medical history of your parents and grandparents? Because sometimes we'll find healing, we'll receive healing, but then we never prayed to break off a generational curse that was handed down through our family line so the sickness comes back. We have to pray and repent and ask God to forgive us of any sin, any rebellion, any witchcraft in our family line. Parents, grandparents, great-grandparents go back four generations and break off generational curses. Why do you think usually, oh, he's just an alcoholic like his daddy and like his daddy before him? Well, it's because nobody broke off that generational curse of addiction, of lust, of pride, of anger, of, of uh, poverty thinking and not being good with money, of sickness. By the way, I had a doctor in New Mexico about 15 years ago. We, we just moved to New Mexico. was getting to know him, spirit-filled guy in our church. And he said, hey, first meeting, we're gonna take some blood panels, height, weight, you know, all this. And then uh, we're just gonna do a family history. So I'm answering family history, you know, parents, grandparents of who, who died of what and this, that, and any other things, ailments they have. And then he goes, good, this is what was. And then he begins to pray in tongues and lays his hand, put your hand on this. And we prayed and broke generational curses over my family and over my health. That's, that's a good doctor right there. The fourth thing I think is why sometimes we struggle to get healing or hold on to healing is how, how we honor communion. Now, I know we take communion every week here, and I, I've tried to teach you, but I'm, I, I just want to specifically point out how, how honoring the body and blood of the Lord Jesus affects our healing, and it also affects our health. So I won't read the first part because we read it every week, but I do want to go down to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 to the second part where Paul's teaching the church how to take communion. And in verse 27, he says, anybody who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread and drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment on yourself. And that is why many of you are weak, sick, and some have even died. So this lesson from the, the Apostle Paul is twofold. He's saying if we don't honor Jesus' body and blood, we sin against Jesus. We, we open ourselves up to sickness, weakness, and death. But the second part of the lesson is if we do truly examine ourselves and honor the body and blood of the Lord Jesus, when we take communion, we are eating and drinking health, healing, strength, and life into our body. So I, I kind of got off on a little rabbit trail, but let me, let me wrap up this little point. When we're healed or when a demon has been cast out, it is our job to contend for, to maintain and hold on to that healing, to hold on to that freedom. We must fill that void in our heart, in our house, with the word of God, with the truth of God, with, with the freedom of God, with the peace of God, with continued repentance, with continued forgiveness, and by removing any sin or unbelief and by honoring the body and blood of the Lord Jesus. Here's the problem. Sometimes it's like, well, I had this terrible back pain and we prayed and it went away and then two days later it came back and we, we condemn ourselves so bad because we, we lost the healing. Listen, Romans chapter eight and verse one says there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. The Lord does not condemn us 
if something happens and we lose a healing. We are the ones that, that, that like to condemn. We are the ones that, that if we struggle to remain free, we're the ones that, that like to point a finger. And if there's nobody to point a finger at, then we point it at ourselves, and then we believe this lie that it's our fault, and we shame ourselves for not having enough faith. Listen, it's such an easy trap to fall into. Don't fall into the trap of condemnation. You just remind yourself that God is a good and loving father no matter what. Healed or not, staying healed or not, God is always good. Another mystery in the kingdom of heaven that I can't figure out is why some people have a certain gift or anointing for healing and others don't. Uh, at Bethel Church in Redding, California, well, now they've moved to South Carolina, um, Pastor Eric Johnson, Bill Johnson's son, and he is mostly deaf his whole life. And his whole life, he's been prayed for by the most famous Christians in the Christian, super-Christian world and not been healed of his deafness. However, Eric has figured out, he's in his 40s now, he has figured out that every time somebody comes to the altar that needs healing for deaf ears, Eric is the one who has faith for their healing. And he has seen many, many, many people deaf ears opened up and they can hear again. It's the deaf guy that has the anointing to pray for deaf people. But he's not healed yet. It's a mystery. But the bedrock foundation that no matter what happens, God is good all the time. No matter what happens in life, God is good. Right? Bill Johnson himself, who for, has been teaching on healing for 40 years, he's a, a level 10 super Christian praying and teaching on healing. His wife, Benny, has cancer right now and is fighting for her life. And they're believing God for a miracle while at the same time taking all the treatments and MD Anderson in Houston and all the things that you do to, to, to beat cancer. And, and Bill has been literally teaching on, on praying for healing for 40 years and she is getting better but not yet healed and, and breakthrough. But it's not like he's just gonna quit the ministry or quit Jesus because she hasn't had a big breakthrough. Bill's own father died of cancer when they were praying for a healing. It's a mystery. But at no point do we just go, oh shucks, I guess God's not real. I don't know. Let me give you my final thought. Some of you are like, please, I'm hungry. I want an apple and a banana. <laughs> hey, you put peanut butter on that uh, apple? Natural peanut butter, no sugar, just peanuts and salt. You're welcome. This is just a crazy thought. I was doing a little research this week on um, the rabbit hole of the CDC's website because it's full of truth. I was curious, and because I, I, I had heard it, but I wanted to make sure it was true. Most sicknesses, and specifically viruses, they're not alive. They only live temporarily long enough to feed off of the cells that are next to them, and that that's how they grow and spread. Most sicknesses, including viruses, they need a living host that they can steal from and multiply cells, and that's how the, the sickness grows in people's bodies. What if we prayed that our bodies wouldn't be a living host to sickness? And then if sick, we, 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 we run into sickness, you know, at the grocery store, it just dies on contact because we're seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus because Christ in me is the hope of glory. And I know that this person who was sick sneezed on me, and I'm like... Because all those cells die the moment they touch your body. Let me give you another thought. I'm just thinking out loud. Let me give you another thought. If you are a tither, if you trust God 
with the first 10% of your income and you give it to the Lord. Malachi says that God is gonna open windows of heaven and bless and prosper you beyond your wildest dreams. That he would protect you, bless you, and prosper you. Now, in, we hear the word prosperity and we think of dollar signs. Prosperity is not a financial thing, it's an everything thing. So why don't, if, if you're a tither, then just say, I'm a tither. I walk in health and healing and prosperity because I trust God with the first 10% of my income. Let me give you a third thing. If you honor your father and mother, the Bible says that you'll live long in the land. In fact, it's the only one of the 10 commandments that has a promise attached to it. If you do this, you will get this. If you honor your father and mother, you will live long in the land. So why don't we do that? And if you didn't honor your father and mother, repent before God. And if your parents are still alive, repent to your parents and say, hey, I haven't honored you. And I want you to forgive me. And then for the rest of your life, start to honor your parents. Or if they're past, honor their memory. And you'll live long in the land. We knew a guy in New Mexico that was dying. Uh, I think he was in his 40s. And our pastor went to him and said, hey, I have a question for you. I know your parents. And I've seen y'all at family reunions and stuff. Don't you honor your parents? Yeah. Have you always honored your parents? Absolutely. Well, we're going to stake that claim on praying for your healing. The doctors have given him like a month to live. He's still alive today. Now he's in his 60s. Because he, they claim that verse. Hey, I honored my mother and father. Now, let me also say this. If your parents hurt you, your parents abandoned you, your parents beat you, you're, you did not have parents worth honoring, I want you to forgive them. I want you to honor them from a distance. They don't need to be in your life for you to honor them. You still need that separation from an unhealthy relationship. They could have hurt you and then died. You still forgive them and then you honor them in their memory. Let me tell you a story. Most of you have heard this story, but for the sake of those that are watching online or new people, I'll, I'll tell it again. I didn't come from a super G.I. Joe Christian family. Um, my mom and stepdad married and they were both on their third marriage. The difference was they were both brand new baby Christians and plugged into a church and began to grow in their walk with God. Fast forward a few years, they, um, I was gonna say they put me in a Christian school. It's because I got expelled from the public schools, but <laughs> that's, a, that's a different story. I was in a Christian school, and as a freshman in high school, I gave my heart to Jesus. After my sophomore year, I went on a missions trip to Peru. I didn't go to Peru. I was 15, almost 16. I wasn't a G.I. Joe super Christian, but I was a level 10 Christian. Did you see what I did there? I was more interested in girls at 15 than anything else in the world. So we're down there in Peru, and we do a little drama in Spanish with a soundtrack that explains the gospel and then one of the young people gives a testimony and then one of the old people, the old people, they were probably 21. <laughs> one of the old people gives an altar call to pray if people wanna make Jesus Lord. So I'm, I'm, I'm one of the students and I'm just standing there watching, we're made a little half circle and the whole town, it was about two hours outside of Lima, Peru and the whole town had come out to like watch the Americans do their little performance and um, it was a huge crowd, hundreds and hundreds of people from the village had come out. And um, I'm over here in the corner and I'm just like, black beans and rice times coming up. Because if you wanna know what you eat in Peru, three meals a day, 
is black beans and rice. And like then and today, I was thinking about my stomach. And I'm like, can't wait for black beans and rice. I was getting hungry. And I'm looking over the crowd and they were praying. And up in the top left, up against a light pole, there was an older guy just kind of leaning up against the light pole. And he had like a fedora, cool guy hat. And he had big Florida wraparound black sunglasses. And he had a cane in his hand. And instead of facing us, he had his ear towards us. I'm like, huh, blind guy. And then I hear the Lord speak to my heart for the first time in my life. I'm 15 years old. I'm barely saved. And the Lord says, if you go pray for the blind guy, I'll heal him. And I'm like, should have had black beans and rice for breakfast. I'm hearing things. All right, in Jesus' name, amen. The students from America are going to come and meet you and pray for you. And I'm like, I'm looking up there at the blind guy. And I go and I grab one of the translators from the church in that town, a kid that could speak English, about my age. I said, hey, can we go pray for that blind guy? He's like, sure. So we go up there. I say, hello, sir. My name's Brad. This is my friend who I just met five seconds ago. And uh, we want to pray for you. He's like, okay. Good Catholic guy. It's Peru, right? Takes his hat off, puts his hand on his heart, and we pray for him. And I'm praying every prayer. I've heard my mom pray. My mom, you know, we have a prayer team. My mom was on the prayer team. My stepdad was one of like the associate pastors, like a leader, elder in the church. I'm praying every prayer. I've heard my parents pray, my pastor pray for healing. Nothing happens. And I'm like, cool, 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 cool. No doubt, no doubt, no doubt. I didn't think this was gonna work. And I'm about to be like, okay, amen. Go be blind more. And this like righteous indignation where I'm like, no, dude, I want to find out if God's real. Like, I'd like to know. And I say, sir, do you understand that we're praying that God heals your blind eyes? And he translates, you know, yippity, yippity, skippity. He comes back. And the guy doesn't respond. He just takes off the wraparound sunglasses and kind of leans over at me and looks straight at me. And he's got big, like, gray, goopy cataracts that have grown over his eyes. Probably could have seen as a younger man and could easily see again with laser surgery, but this was 1989, 1990. And he's just like six inches. I'm like, okay, cool, cool, cool. You're really blind. That wasn't like a sunglasses cane joke. And I'm six inches away from staring at these big gray cataracts. And I felt, and I'm, I, I, my heart went into my shoes. I was like, Ugh. And I felt, it's just gonna sound weird, like a hand go up my spine and into my face, into my mouth, like a puppeteer putting his hand up a puppet and grabbing the mouth. And I looked right into those gray eyes and I said, in the name of Jesus, be healed. And I felt like a hot electricity just go whack. And it shocked me and it shocked the kid. And it shocked the old man because then I began to watch those gray cataracts begin to dissolve and big, beautiful brown eyes staring at me in total shock and unbelief. We were both shocked. The guy was totally healed. I didn't have time. Like, he just started looking around and he just took off running. To, to go home, I'm sure, to tell his family what happened. And I'm just like, 
I'm like, he goes, yeah. And these two 15-year-old kids are just like walking back to the group like. It was in that moment I realized God is real. And I've never doubted it since. I've talked to some atheists, some agnostic people, people that believe we're crazy. I'm like, you'll never talk me out of what I saw that day. I know God is real. But what that means is the Bible is true. Heaven is real. What that means is the devil is real. Hell is real. My sin really separates me from God. But in that moment, God was so gracious to me. And that's why I I pray for 100 people. I see one person healed because I know God's real and I know that God's a healer. Just for fun and to make this service super long. About 12 years ago, I was an assistant pastor of a church in New Mexico and I got a call that a woman was dying in the hospital and her family asked us to come pray. And she was in her early to mid 70s and she was in good health. I knew her, she was in our church. And I go in there with the family and it's ER techs and doctors and nurses and they're stabbing and poking and and doing the pumpy, breathy thing and the whole thing and she's not responding. She's flatlining. And I pull her daughter over, her daughter's in her 50s. I go, hey, does this not feel right to you? Like this doesn't feel like God's timing. She said, this is an attack of the enemy. This is not God's time. I said, that's what I want to thought. And I go over to the doc and I go, hey doc, you mind, I'm a pastor from the church. You mind if I pray? And he kind of shrugged his shoulders like, sure, we've done all we can do. And I go over in her ear. I go, Betty, in the name of Jesus, be healed and come back to life. And guess what happened? Nothing. She just laid there flatlining. Cool, cool, cool. I'm really good at this. I guess she's one of the 99. So the doctor kind of looks at me like, with, he kind of, with the family, because they're starting to cry. And I go, hey, family, can we just step outside the room and let's pray? And we step outside the room and I'm just loving on them. I'm hugging them. I'm encouraging them. begin to pray. And it, a minute, two minutes goes by and the doctors and nurses start coming out and they're throwing their gloves off, taking their masks off. Back then you could take a mask off. And, um, and they're just throwing their stuff away. And I'm like, she's in heaven. And the doctor comes bursting through the doors. And he's like, your mom's asking for you. She's alive and she's sitting up and she'd like to talk to you. And I was like, her family. She lived another like 10 years. She died in her late 80s. I was a part of that story too, but that's never here nor there. She was gonna die on Christmas and her son-in-law said, hey, she's going and this time we think it's God, but we don't want her to go on Christmas and ruin Christmas. Can you make her stick around? I said, put the phone on speakerphone and put it up to her. She was unconscious. I said, Betty, it's Pastor Brad. Don't die on Christmas and ruin your grandkids' Christmas. You can go to heaven tomorrow. I love you. I'll see you when I get there. She died two days later. God's real. He's crazy about us. Hop up on your feet. There's a verse that messes with me that ties healing and forgiveness together. 1 Peter chapter 2. Verse 24, Jesus personally carried our sins in his body on the cross. Can we just leave that verse up for a few minutes, Josh? Like, I'm in no hurry to take that down. Jesus bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. 
by his wounds were healed. Every time I lie, every time I cheat, every time I get angry, every time I don't get drunk or get look, you know, every time we get high, every time we look at porn, every time we do something we're not supposed to steal from work, we're putting sin in Jesus' body and we're the ones that are nailing, piercing his hands and feet, holding him up there with our sin. Let me ask you a question. Are you really dead to sin and alive to Christ? Are you really dead to the things of this world and doing the right things, going about doing good for the kingdom of God? Is there pain, recurring pain, sickness in your body that Jesus already paid for your healing and freedom and deliverance 2,000 years ago? That we need to apply that healing to your body today. When we were, uh, I was in prayer earlier this morning, there's somebody in here today or watching online, maybe I think online, because of your sexual promiscuity, you slept with other people, you have one or two STDs that the doctors say you're gonna have forever and ever and ever. You're telling me that the name of Jesus isn't greater than whatever name STD that's stuck in your body? Especially after you get born again. Old things have passed away, new things are born into your body, kingdom things. You can absolutely pray and believe God to heal you of that, that disease. Oh no, but it was my fault. I, I slept around a lot in college. So, now you've repented and you're a level 10 Christian. There's no reason for you to be suffering with that. Chris Valton is a pastor out in California. A guy came to him, was a heroin addict. Shoot himself up, I could never be a heroin addict. I could easily fall into sin. I'll never fall into anything that requires me to stick needles in my body. Golly, I'm afraid of needles. I'd pass out the first time I tried to get high. But he was a lifelong drug user. And he had track marks up both of his arms. And he went to the altar and he went to Pastor Chris. and He said, hey, I've given my heart to Jesus and I've been living for the Lord. I've been clean and sober for, I forget, let's say it was a year. I've been clean and sober for a year now, but I still have all these old track marks. Do you think God could heal me and remove this part of my past? And Chris, without thinking, is like, yeah, sure. And he's like, let's pray. And he's like, I don't know if this is possible. <laughs> so he kind of like put his hands down by his sides. <laughs> he just prayed for him. He was totally healed. Brand new baby skin up both sides of his arms. God will take away your past. Sure. I love we do a golf clap when Jesus heals somebody. I'm like, bravo, Jesus. <laughs> we should be doing backflips down the whatever. Amen. Why not do a backflip down the aisle? Well, security will take us out. So what? You can do backflip in the back. If you're here this morning or you're watching online and you're not right with God, there's sin in your life that separates you from God. We'll deal with healing in a minute. I'm gonna talk about sin. Are you right with God? You got hit by a bus. Look, there's no buses in Tarrant County. Listen. You got T-boned at an intersection and you die today, driving home from this service. We will mourn you, but make sure we also celebrate because you have no fear of death. Josie and I travel a lot. We fly a lot. Some people are like, are you afraid to fly? No. What if you die? 
Don't you want to see your grandkids? Yeah, that's why heaven has a balcony. I'm just... I don't have a death wish, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not going to stand on the wing of the plane. If Carlos is flying, I'm good. I think I saw Carlos in here. He's a pilot for America. Today's your day to repent of your sin. Ask the Lord to forgive you, wash you and cleanse you, make you a brand new creation. Put Christ, the hope of glory, inside of you. If you want to get baptized in water, we've got black shorts and black t-shirts. You can get baptized in water. After that, you want to get hands laid on and get filled with the Holy Ghost and pray in other tongues, you'll become a level 10 Christian. Billy Graham, Bill Johnson, ain't nobody got nothing on you. Today's your day. I can lead you in that prayer. I can't pray it for you, but I can lead you. You have to believe in your heart that Jesus is the Son of God and that on that cross, he took all of our sin and our pain and sickness and he paid the price for our healing and our freedom with every head up and every eye open if you're here this morning and you you want to get right with God it might be the first time in your life you've ever prayed a prayer like this but it might be the first time in a long time it's been a minute and you're not right with God and you'd be honest with God and just say I walked with him before but I'm not right now today's my day to get right with God again I know, but I've prayed a hundred times. Pray 101. If you're here this morning, you're watching online, and you're not right with God, I want to lead you in that prayer. It'll either be the first time or the first time in a long time, but I would like to know who I'm going to pray for. It's going to take a bold step. It's pretty bold to hang on a cross naked in front of all of Jerusalem. So you're clothed among friends. If that's you and you need to get right with God, would you shoot your hand up real high and just say, preacher, pray for me. Today's my day to get right with God. Even right there in your living room at home, just shoot your hand up right there between you and God. Just say, I need to get right with God today. Nobody, you didn't like the head up, eyes up, I thought so. Um, And nobody else, raise your hand. Good. I love people like, no, 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 make them close their eyes. Why? What does it matter? We celebrate, we're cheering for you. Is there anybody else? I saw the one, what about you right there at home? Just shoot your hand up. Be like, I need to get right with God today. All right, for the sake of the one, for the sake of those of you that are online that I can't see, and for the sake of the cowards that didn't want to raise their hand, God loves saving cowards too. Let's pray. Say, dear Jesus, please forgive me of my sin. Wash me and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. I knew better, and I still sinned against you. I'm so sorry. Lord, restore and renew me be the king of my heart and the lover of my soul. Lord, make me a level 10 Christian and help me to operate in the gift of healing. To go about doing good and destroying the works of the devil. In Jesus' name. If you agree, say amen. I'm so proud of you and I'm so proud of you. Come on, somebody. Thank you for listening to the Uncommon Church Podcast. If this message has impacted your life, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. And for more information on our church community, you can click the link in the description or visit uncommonchurch.tv.